0: in South Valley. Great to be with you guys again. How amazing was that time of worship? Yeah? So awesome. My name is Ricky Uh, Thanks for joining us in person. Thanks for joining us online. This past week, we had a very busy week on our campus. Last Sunday, we baptized a number of people over here. We baptized 13 people last Sunday, which was Incredible and exciting. And then on Monday we finished renovating the chapel. So the chapel's finally done. So on Wednesday our youth group finally launched in the chapel and they had over a hundred students show up for the first week of youth group. And 11 students prayed to receive Jesus Christ that night at the youth group. And so... God was working through that. So we, we we're tired. We we're excited. And then we still got another thing on our plate, which is the candy walk. So we show up to candy walk and we see more people than we expect. It was an amazing night. All of you who volunteered, thank you so much. Let's thank our volunteers for just doing an incredible job. Your guys' cars were awesome. Thanks for the candy. Thanks for the help. Thanks for the security. By the way, our security team did so well. In the middle of the candy walk, we were running out of candy, okay? We didn't expect to have 2,000 guests, and so we're scrambling like, oh, my goodness, we need candy. So I leave the campus, and I go to Best Buy across the street over there in my little truck, and I I go in the store, and I'm like, hey, we need candy. They're like, well, we have these little bags. I'm like, no, we need, like, big bags of candy, and they take me to the candy section. We bought all the candy that was left in the store, brought it back over over here and then I go to the side gate so the gate the, the side alley was blocked off so I'm trying to pull into the side alley and our, I had a wig on, okay some of you some of you came up to me today and you apologized for not saying hi to me on Friday. It's okay I realized you didn't recognize me. a lot of people saw me, didn't know it was me. Well neither did our security team because they would not let me on our campus. I'm like. No, I have candy. Like we're running out. No, you can't. I didn't see you come off. The, you cannot go on this campus. I'm like, finally, they realized it was me, and I wasn't just some uh, punk with a wig on, and they let me in, and. We- we had candy for the rest of the night. So that, that was pretty fun. So we had an amazing week on our campus, a busy week on our campus. And I'm just, I'm just super excited. One more thing I wanted to let you know. Since the chapel is finally done, it looks really good in there. We want to show you guys how it turned out. So this coming Sunday, uh, we're going to have coffee and donuts in the chapel. Available in the chapel, okay? So come get a coffee. The youth team's going to provide. I, I heard donuts are like a big thing around here. So... We're going to have some donuts in there, Uh, so we want you to check out the chapel. I don't know, hopefully that's something we can offer every week, but we still need to get like a volunteer team to get that ministry, that is a ministry by the way, to get that thing back up and running, but for sure this Sunday, come early, get a cup of coffee, get a donut, check out the chapel, we want you guys to see it in person, so... So that's all I got for you. Let's jump into our sermon series. We're in a new sermon series, week three. The sermon series is titled, What Do You Know About Grace? And in this series, we're we're trying to just uncover Jesus' amazing grace. What we're seeing is that Jesus is full of grace. And there's many facets to his grace. And every encounter that we see in the Gospels between Jesus and somebody who's hurting or somebody who's broken or whatever they were when they met Jesus, they would always leave Jesus changed because he has grace upon grace. And so we've learned so far that Jesus' grace heals. We learned that with the paralyzed man. We learned last week that Jesus' grace Saves as, as the, the, the sinful woman came before Jesus' presence and, and, and had a breakdown at his feet and, and left that place forgiven. Today we're going to learn that Jesus' grace satisfies. And before we begin though, let me ask have you guys ever felt like you were dying of thirst? Have you ever felt that? Have you ever been so thirsty that in the middle of the night you, you, you refused to get up and get a cup of water because you were too, too tired? But then the rest of the night you just dreamed about drinking water. Does that happen to any of you guys? That happens to me sometimes. Okay, so we were just out of town for a couple days uh, last week. And uh, when my kids, we had this big meal. We had a lot of fun. And, and as we were walking away, my, my daughter's like, Dad, I'm so, I'm so thirsty I could die. And I'm like, we just ate and drank a bunch of food and drank a bunch of stuff. Like, how can you die? Do you have any dramatic, anybody have dramatic kids who immediately they have some kind of craving and it means it's life or death in their eyes? Okay, I haven't ever been, like, so thirsty I could die. I've probably said that before, but I've never been that thirsty. But there are a couple times I could really remember being very thirsty. One was I did a motorcycle race in the Mojave Desert. It was a two-hour race at the peak of summer. And while everybody had camelbacks, I decided not to bring one, and I don't know why. And so I thought I was going to die of thirst. Luckily, I survived. The other time that I felt so thirsty and dehydrated and parched I didn't know what to do with myself was the moment I moved out here during the summer, okay? (laughs) You guys... Have some crazy summers here. And, and my first week in town, not only was it like 100 and something degrees, but the, the world was on fire all around the Central Valley, which was, it was just an intense time. But you guys, uh, you guys know what it's like to be thirsty. You've probably said before, I'm so thirsty I could die. But here's, here's reality. No matter how thirsty we've been, we've never actually, for, maybe you have, but most of us have never actually been on the verge of actually dying of thirst, but the reason we say that, the reason we get a little dramatic when we're hungry, any of you get hangry from time to time? The reason we get dramatic when we're hungry or we get dramatic when we're thirsty is because hunger and thirst, those are some of the strongest cravings in the human body, right? We, and, and, the, and it's for good reason. We, we, we have a strong desire for water because it, it, if we don't have water over too long of a period of time, we actually could die. Without water, our bodies cannot live and so that's why it's one of the strongest impulses in the human body. Well in today's passage Jesus has a divine appointment with a woman dying of thirst. No matter how many times she returned to the local well for satisfaction she left parched, she left dehydrated, She'd have to return again and again and again and again. And the reason was because she didn't realize that the thirst that she was experiencing in her life was actually a spiritual thirst. And that her thirst was such a big thirst that it was a God-sized thirst that no earthly relationship could fill No possession could fill. No fresh start can fill. She had a hole the size of God in her heart. And she was trying as hard as she could to shove new things into that hole to to quench that thirst. But no matter how hard she tried, no matter what she did, she would return again and again and again to that place of dissatisfaction. Maybe that's how you feel this morning. Dissatisfied. Maybe you're a little thirsty physically, but if you're being honest with yourself, spiritually, you're parched. You're tired. You're weary. You're trying to pick up the pieces in your life. You're trying to get another fresh start. You're you're trying to, to have hope and joy and happiness. But for some reason, no matter what you do, no matter what you shove in that gap in your soul, you are still thirsty if you've ever felt like that or you feel like that today or you know somebody who feels like that then today's passage is for you i'm going to pray and we'll jump into our passage will you pray with me father god i thank you so much for caring about our happiness you do and our joy and it doesn't mean that we won't have hard times it doesn't mean that we won't have periods where we're dissatisfied and grumbling and struggling. But, but you love us so much that you reach just every little crevice of our hearts and our souls. And, and you provide us with the strength that we need for today. And, and you show us that we're loved. And, and some of us have forgotten that. And today we're going to see a passage of a woman who forgotten, who's had forgotten how much she was loved. And so I pray that today that we'd be reminded of your love for us, your love for the world that we'd be bold in proclaiming it, and that we would be open to to hearing the ways that we need you this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. amen. Please turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4, starting in verse 1. John 4, starting in verse 1. This is what it says. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, He left and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey. Let me just pause here for a second. Jesus is weary in this passage. You know why he's weary in this passage? Because he had a busy week of ministry. You know what's cool this morning? When I went back to, the, to the, uh, the green room before service and I was interacting with the worship team, I could tell they were tired this morning. Why? Because they had a busy week of ministry. I know some of you, you served over the weekend. You served all week long. You were tired this morning because you had a busy week of ministry. But here's the thing. This is actually a good thing. We're weary because we're, we're serving the Lord. We're excited to serve the Lord. And Jesus, here he is. He's like, you know what? He, he was fully God, fully man. He, when, when you see weary servants of the Lord, it's because there was a lot of cool ministry going on. So, this is what's happening with Jesus. He's a little tired. And so, he goes to a well, and he sits beside the well. And it was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So in our passage today, Jesus is taking a 70-mile hike from Judea, which is southern Israel to Galilee, which is northern Israel. But on his way, he stirs up a little bit of controversy. And one thing that we've seen in this series, one thing that's clear of Jesus is that Jesus is a polarizing figure. Everywhere Jesus went, he kind of stirred the pot a little bit. And people would leave interactions with Jesus having to, to figure out for themselves, am I for Jesus or am I against Jesus? Am I about Jesus? Am I not about Jesus? Is this who I want to pledge my allegiance to or, or not? Do I, You either love Jesus or you hate Jesus. And the reason why is because he was a polarizing figure. Everywhere he went, he pushed back against the norms of society. He called out hypocrisy. He pointed out pride and selfishness. He flipped societal norms upside down. And here again, we see Jesus ruffling feathers. And he doesn't just do this to make people angry. He does this because he sees the real needs in society. Jesus ruffled feathers in his own town. Jesus ruffled feathers in Judea. And now, in this passage, he's going to ruffle feathers in an area that's deemed off-limits to Jews. The region of Samaria. Now, quick history on Samaria. Samaria was a region of Israel populated by foreigners during the Assyrian exile. So in 722 BC, Assyria captured the northern tribe of Israel, capturing Assyria, and, and taking the peop- or t- capturing the area of Samaria, and taking those people and exiling them to, to Assyria. And when, when the people were exiled, what we see in, in history is that some people were left behind in the land. The best and the brightest people were left behind in the land, but the rest of the people who were taken out of the land, they were replaced by foreigners. Well, those foreigners who populated the land, they intermarried with some of the Jews who were left in the land. And as a result of these intermarriages, what we saw was something called syncretism. Syncretism happens when two belief systems become jumbled up into one. So these Jews would marry these Assyrians. The Assyrians had pagans go- pagan gods. The Jews worshiped Yahweh. Well, when they got married, they started to adopt each other's cultures. And so they had this weird version of Judaism in the area of Samaria. They, had, they, they only used the first five books of the Bible. They also had weird customs that came from outside cultures. And they even built their own temple that mirrored the, the, the Jewish temple on Mount Gerizim. So as a result, as a result of this, Jews despised Samaritans. When the Jews were finally released from exile and slavery and came back into the land, they avoided Samaritans at all costs. Because in their minds, the Samaritans were impure, the Samaritans were heretical, they were ceremonially ceremonially unclean, and they were what you might call mudbloods. You might get that reference there. They 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 were not of pure descent. And so Jews despised Samaritans so much that they would walk around Samaria rather than through it. If you're traveling from northern to southern Israel, you're going to walk around Samaria. If you're tra- traveling from southern to northern, you're going to walk around Samaria. No one's going to walk through Samaria, even though it's right on the path. You're going to walk around it. But here's the thing. Jesus walks through the middle of town. Why? Why? No one is off-limits for Jesus. No one is off-limits for Jesus. No race is off-limits for Jesus. No culture is off-limits for Jesus. No person, no people group is off-limits for Jesus. Why? Because Jesus has a heart for the nations. If you were to... Go to the end of the gospel story, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We get the great, commissions, great Commission, which is go, therefore, into all the nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always to the, ends of the, to the end of the age. Okay, so, so Jesus, his mission is for the nations. And the word nations in, in the Great Commission is, is the Greek term ethnos, which means people groups. Jesus is for all people groups. You at South Valley, you guys have a history of supporting missionary work around the globe. Because you love all people groups. And you know that Jesus needs to be proclaimed to every nation around the globe. That is our mission. Well, Jesus here, he's modeling it. And and by the way, in Revelation, when we get a picture of the throne room scene in Revelation, there are people from every tongue and tribe and nation represented in heaven at the throne room of God. Well, Jesus modeled a heart for the nations by approaching those deemed off-limits. Well, the Samaritan woman was off limits for three reasons. The first was because she was a woman. And that sounds crazy in our day. But in Jesus' day, men and women, they didn't, they didn't mingle together. They didn't hang out in the same crowds. Women were only around men typically when it was their, their husband. Well, Jesus, if you were to read the Gospels, you would see Jesus elevates women. He loves women. He honors women. He had disciples who were women. It wasn't common for, for women to, to be taught one-on-one by a rabbi, but Jesus elevated women. This woman was off-limits for cultural reasons, but Jesus in his mind was, no, this woman's this is a child of God, and so I'm going to talk to her. The second thing reason that we, this woman would have been off-limits was because she was a Samaritan. As we already mentioned, uh, Jews, they had no dealings with Samaritans. Okay, so much so that they wouldn't eat at the same table as a Samaritan. They definitely wouldn't drink from the same well as a Samaritan. There was a Samaritan area and there was a Jewish area. And if you think that sounds like racism and segregation, then you're right. That's exactly what it was. There was this... Trend going on where where there 's a pure group and there 's an impure group and one group is accepted and the other group's not accepted well Jesus wasn 't about those kinds of norms. Jesus was going to flip the script and say that stuff 's not okay I, no one is no, no one is uh too far from me everybody i 'm for the nations i 'm for all people, all races and so this woman she was shocked because Not only was Jesus talking to her, but Jesus wanted a drink off of her bucket. She was shocked. You're talking to me, a woman, and now you want a drink from me, a Samaritan. And Samaritans and Jews, they don't don't blend together. I didn't think that that was allowed. Jesus wanted a drink off of her bucket. Now, that phrase, when it says that Jews have no dealings with Samaritans, In the Greek, it actually means that they don't partake together or they don't share together. And so what it really is a reference to is her bucket. Jesus was saying, hey, can I have a drink of yours? And she's blown away. Because in her day, there's a Jewish fountain and there's a Samaritan fountain. Finally, the third reason that this woman would have been off limits is because she had a past. This woman had a sinful past. And there are a couple reasons we know this. The first is because she visited the well at noon. Now, if you were to go visit a well here in Lemoore in the peak of summer, would you go at noon? Absolutely not. Okay, uh, Pastor Frank and some guys in the church, they were helping me uh, with my garage when I moved in here. Okay, they would show up to my house at 6 a.m. to work on the garage. They didn't show up at noon to work on the garage when it was 110 degrees outside. For good reason, right? You don't do that. It's just not wise. Well, this woman, she's visiting the well in the middle of the day to avoid people. The well wasn't just the place you got water for your family. The well was also a social place where you interacted with your community. This woman avoided her community, went by herself with no one around to get get water from the well when no one was looking. That's how we know she had a past. But we also know that she had a past because she admitted to having a past. Jesus says this in John 4, 16. He says, well, why don't you go call your husband and come here? The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said, well, yeah, you're right in saying that. I have no husband for you've had five husbands. And the guy that you're living with now, he isn't your husband. What you have said is true. This woman had five husbands fallen, broken marriages, and now she was in a new relationship living with a man who wasn't her husband. And so these are all some of the reasons why we know this woman had a past. And and I want to be sensitive here because if you've ever been divorced or if you've grown up in a divorced home, then you know what kind of toll this takes on a person, what kind of toll this takes on a family. Okay, I I grew up in a divorced home. I, I haven't been divorced myself But both of my parents married three times, okay? So three times we had to restart. Three times I restarted at my mom's house. Three times I restarted at my dad's house. It's confusing. It's hard. It's challenging. It's not all bad, okay? I mentioned that during the holidays, Christmas is coming up. uh, I, I get a lot of presents on Christmas, okay? It's pretty awesome. As a kid, that was really awesome. But here's the thing. If you've ever been divorced or you've gone through divorce or you've grown up in a divorce home, you know the pain of divorce, Five times this woman experienced that pain. We aren't told why she divorced five times. But we do know that each time she attempted to get her life back on track, it was a total failure. Every time she remarried and hoped this would be my love, this will be the one, this is going to work, and boom, the car crashed, it was over. Then she'd get married again, boom, everything crashed. Get married again, boom, everything crashed. Finally, she's like, I'm done, I'm done saying I do. I'm just going to live with my man and, and go from there. And she would have taken on a, a posture of a cultural outcast because she was living with somebody who wasn't her husband. She was trying to rebuild her life over and over and over and over again, but she couldn't quite do it. And so I want to pause here for a second. How many times have you tried to get your life back on track? One time? two times three times four times this woman is on number 6 the sixth time she she's tried to get her life back on track and so if you've ever struggled to rebuild your life then you know exactly how this woman feels she's trying to get some normalcy back in her life but she just can't quite do it well here's the good news jesus knows The path to health. Jesus knows the path to healing. Jesus knows the source of true satisfaction and happiness. But before you can drink of Jesus, you have to acknowledge your thirst. You have to acknowledge the things that have caused the train wreck. You have to acknowledge the areas of your life that you've avoided. This woman, she had a lot of red flags popping up in her life that she had been ignoring Jesus, though, isn't going to let her off the hook. Jesus sees the real her. Jesus sees the real me. Jesus sees the real you. And if you want hope and you want healing and you want satisfaction, then it's time to be real in the presence of Jesus. And so that's point number two. Jesus sees your real thirst. Jesus sees your real thirst. Jesus knows what's really going on in here. Jesus knows how you really feel in the morning, how you really feel when you go to bed, how you really feel throughout the week. Jesus sees your real thirst, and he cares. He loves you. He wants to embrace you. But you have to see your thirst as well. You have to acknowledge the parts of your life that need help as well. And so Jesus is going to push on her. So here we go. John 4, verse 10. Jesus answered her. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you don't even have a bucket. You don't have anything to draw water with. And the well's deep. Where are you going to get that living water? So let me pause here for a second. So last week, the sinful woman she goes into Jesus' presence. She doesn't say a word. She just weeps at Jesus' feet, right? So her actions demonstrated what was really going on in her. This woman, she has a lot to say, okay? This woman, and, and she's sassy. Am I allowed to say that from the pulpit? Okay, this woman, is any sassy women in here? I know my daughter's a little sassy. Uh, and it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. This woman, she's probably learned to be this way. She has a little bit of attitude in her voice. What, what do you mean living water? You don't, even have, you don't even have a bucket. Okay, she's shocked by this conversation. Some guy's talking to her out of nowhere. This is totally off limits. She has a little bit of sass in her voice. And it, where are you going to get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Who do you think you are? You better than Jacob? Yeah, he, he was, right? Well, he gave us the well and he drank from it for himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said, Everyone, though, who drinks of this water, is going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give will never be thirsty again. The water that I'll give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This isn't just, this isn't just a, a bucket of water in your soul. This is a spring of water that overflows and pours out. There's so much pouring out that you have some left over for others. That's what Jesus offers he isn't offering a sip of satisfaction. He's offering satisfaction that overflows. He isn't offering just a sip of happiness and joy and contentment in your soul. He's offering contentment in your soul that overflows. And this woman, she's having a hard time coming to terms with it. And so the woman said to him, sir, well, then give me this water. So that I won't have to come here to this place again and be thirsty or have to come back and draw water. So, so that's that's. Part two, Jesus sees your real thirst. Now, I heard somebody say one time that we wear our thirst. We wear our thirst. If you pay attention to people, if you look hard enough, you check out their social media, you see them in action, you can see, if you're, if you're intuitive, you can see what they're really thirsty for. We've gotten good at hiding behind masks We've gotten good at hiding behind walls. We've gotten good at hiding behind social media profiles. But still there are signs that that we show that show what we really are thirsty for. When we see people, we can see their real thirst. We can see the real them. Even if they have a mask on, we just have to be discerning. Even behind a mask, we can see it. Now, like I said, I was trying to get on the campus. It took a while for the security team to recognize me. But they did recognize me. So this, this, this candy walk, one thing I noticed. Lots of you guys showed up with masks on and full garb, and it was awesome. But even though you were hiding behind paint or a wig or whatever, I, I typically, for the most part, I knew it was you. Because I, I can see the real you behind all of it. Uh, it makes me think of my dad one year. When I was about seven years old, my dad dressed up as an old woman for Halloween. Elderly woman, I should say, for Halloween. And uh, he showed up to the party. I didn't know he was dressing up this way. He showed up to the party. He walked through the door. And when he walked through the door, at first I thought it was my dad because I saw his build and I saw his posture. So I'm going over there. I'm like seven years old to say hi to my dad. And I walk up to give him a hug and I look up and it's this woman I have no idea who she is and it scared me so I'm like I need to stay away from this woman because she's in my house and I don't even know her so I try to stay away from her and she keeps coming closer to me and then I sit down and eat my meal and she sits right next to me I'm like will someone please save me from this lady eventually my dad took off the wig and I kind of freaked out because I didn't I didn't know what to expect but here's the thing I knew if I would have paid a little more attention I would have seen that behind the mask was my dad if we pay attention to people, we can see behind the mask. We can see the real thirst. Although we've learned as human beings how to hide behind our masks and our walls and our profiles and whatever it is that we're, whatever secrets we're trying to cover up in our lives, the truth is there's always a chink in the armor. Always. There's always a crack somewhere. And what we see with Jesus is that Jesus ministers to the cracks. When Jesus sees you, he doesn't just see the put-together you, the you that you, you know, show to the world. He sees the bitterness in you. He sees the crack of anger. He sees the crack of pain. He sees that crack of insecurity. He sees that crack of shame or guilt. And it's not because Jesus is mean. Jesus sees those things because they hurt him too. He loves you. When my kids, as my kids are growing up, I don't want them to be bitter or angry or insecure or any of those things. When I see their cracks, it concerns me too because I love them. And so as a daddy, I try to come alongside them and minister to the cracks. Jesus sees the real you, the cracks in your life. Because the cracks reveal your true thirst. That's what it reveals. So what crack is in this woman's armor? What is she thirsty for? Well, there's one major hint that gives it away, and it's this. Jacob's well. You might wonder, why is Jacob's well a hint? Jacob's well is a hint to what this woman is thirsty for, because if you didn't know, Jacob's well was a legendary site in Israel because it was the place where Jacob met his true love, Rachel. That's what happened at Jacob's well. Jacob's well is the site of a legendary love story. Long before Disney movies, there was Jacob's well. Okay, Long before High School Quads or Lover's Lane or e or Tinder or Christian Mingle or whatever new thing's coming out, there was a place called Jacob's Well. Jacob's Well was the site of a legendary hookup, the site of a legendary love story. And so if you were a woman looking for love, where would you go looking for love? You'd go to Jacob's Well. Because maybe, just maybe, you'll finally meet your Prince Charming. You'll finally meet the man of your dreams. What we see in this story The location, the story about the divorces, the story of the new man she's living up with. You know what this woman is thirsty for deep down? What she's really actually thirsty for? Not water. She is thirsty for love. She's thirsty for love. And that might sound cliche, but we're all thirsty for love. Every single one of us, for acceptance, for companionship, for purpose... And above all, we're thirsty for selfless, faithful, loyal, unending love. And us human beings, if we don't experience or feel or know love, we'll do just about anything to get it, including saying I do five times in pursuit of it. This woman was thirsty for love. Well, Jesus, though, he saw behind the mask. He saw her greatest need of all. And so he ministered to the cracks and as soon as he went in as soon as he dove into some of those tender subjects she changed the subject on him she changed the conversation you guys ever do that someone gets to the real you someone gets to something that kind of strikes a nerve and instead of allowing that conversation to happen you try to turn it in a new direction so how about the raiders right This is exactly what's happening here. Jesus exposes some hurt and some pain, and she changes the conversation. Look at what happens. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Well, our fathers worshipped on this mountain. Are they talking about worshipping on mountains? No. This woman... Turned the conversation, because it got uncomfortable, because Jesus saw the real her, as soon as that mask started coming down, she tried to turn it into a religious debate. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. But you said that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. Jesus said, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Jesus was a Jew bringing that salvation. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship in the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. He's like, time out. It's not about where you worship, it's about how you worship. Let's get back on track. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. And when the Messiah comes, who's called the Christ, when he comes, all these things will be settled for me. He'll he'll, he'll make everything clear. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? Jesus' conversation at this point took an interesting turn because as soon as he began to dig into her life and revealing her hurts, her habits, her hang-ups, boom, she changed the topic and tried to start a religious debate, which is typical human stuff. The moment the chink in our armor is exposed, the moment the crack comes to the surface, we panic, we deflect, we fill it in, we run, we hide. Jesus wouldn't allow it. Jesus wouldn't let her hide Some of you today, you've been trying to hide. Jesus isn't going to let you hide anymore. Not because he hates you, but because he loves you. He's not going to let you keep sweeping it under the rug. Not because he wants to hurt you, but because he wants to help you. Today, some of you need to stop running. Jesus sees the hurt. Jesus sees the pain. He knows everything that's contributed to it. And you've tried to justify it. And you've tried to debate things with God. Or you've tried to come up with reasons in your head why you do the things you do. Or believe the way you believe. And you just pushed God away and done everything you can to not actually be real. Jesus says, enough. I can see you're thirsty. And if you just drink from me. I will give you living water. The living water in this passage is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God who resides in the hearts of human beings and changes them from the inside out. Gives them a new love, a new passion, a new will. A new ability to live in a new way that they never could on their own. Okay, this is miraculous stuff we're talking about. And only Jesus can deliver the Holy Spirit to a person. Only Jesus can give you a drink from the Spirit of God. But when you have the Spirit of God, not only are you forgiven, not only are you washed clean, not only is all your shame and your guilt wiped away, but you are born again. You're made new. And guess what you really have? You have a true fresh start, not a fake fresh start, not a false start, a real fresh start. This woman was testing out husband 6.0. Some of you guys have been looking for an upgrade, right? (laughs) Testing out husband 6.0, but guess what? They don't get much better. (laughs) They just don't. If you think that a new husband is going to do it, finally satisfy you, you're going you're to be dissatisfied. A new wife, a new toy, 2.0, 3.0, 6.0, iPhone 13. <laughs> we do this stuff every day. We chase and we chase and we chase and we chase. Jesus didn't let her run anymore. She receives living water, and then this story ends with a happy ending. Okay, this is not just, happy endings aren't just for fairy tales. Happy endings happen in the Bible, and actually the whole end of the Bible is a happy ending. This woman, she's left changed, and so what does she do with this change? She becomes the first missionary to Samaria. So the woman left her water jar, went away into, a ta- into her town, and said to the people, Come! See a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. That is what happens when thirsty people meet the living God. Not only are they fulfilled... Not only are they changed, not only are they redeemed, not only do they learn a satisfaction that could come from nowhere else, but they're so overflowing by that spring of water in their soul, in their, in their life, that they can't help but, but pour out into the people around them. She pours out into her community, so much so that many Samaritans believe because of her testimony. She became the first, first missionary to Samaria. And so in closing, I have three ways to apply today's message. Three ways. The first is this. As we've been wrestling through this passage, one question I want you to think about is is where are you thirsty? We've talked about cracks. We've talked about chinks in the armor, pains, regrets, hurts, habits, hangups, things that we're chasing after. Own your thirst. Own it. Okay, we're never going to be satisfied until we own our thirst. Okay, this woman, there were red flags in her life. Getting married six times was a red flag that she was thirsty for something. But until this moment, she never actually owned her thirst. And so what red flags exist in your life? Where are the cracks in your armor? Do you have a money problem? Acknowledge it. Do you have a food problem? Own it. Do you have anger or bitterness problem? Accept it. Do you have a pride, selfishness problem? repent of it. Jesus ministers to the cracks. It's in our weakness, our weaknesses that, that he, he does his greatest work. Work. He, he came to redeem the broken parts of us. So own your thirst and he'll replace it with living water. But this takes courage, my friends, to own our thirst. Be bold, be courageous, own your thirst. And once you've owned it, number two, share your thirst with others. You know how to overcome sin, Dark things that have creeped into our lives that have hurt us and weighed us down. Not only do we own those things, not only do we acknowledge those things and see those things for what they are, but we bring them to the light by sharing those hurts, habits, whatever, with the people around us. Sharing it with our spouse, sharing it with our friends, sharing it with our church, our community group. Okay, some of you have things that thirst that you've pushed down for a long time. No one knows about it. It's been a secret. Like this woman, you keep covering it up and covering it up and covering it up. And then you wonder, why am I not happy? Why am I so discontent? Why am I so broken? Why can't I just, I got the new iPhone and now I'm still not as happy as I thought I would be. Like something is wrong. Well, share your thirst with others. When you bring it to the light, it loses power over you. It loses power in your life. Tell somebody today, tell somebody. Own your thirst, share your thirst. That's how God works on your thirst, redeems and heals you. And when you're redeemed and you're healed and as he's doing his work in you, all of a sudden your eyes open up to ministry as you get to minister to the thirsty. Here's the cool thing. Whatever you're thirsty for, whatever you're struggling with, there are millions of people around the the globe struggling with the same things. Satan wants to convince you that you're the only one you're not. The moment you bring it to the light, the moment you own it, Not only are you healed and forgiven and you have living water, but now you get to minister to people who are in the same spot as you. Minister to the thirsty. The woman owned it. The woman shared it. The woman ministered to those who were thirsty around her. That's what Jesus wants to do through us. His heart is for the, for the nations. His heart is for you. It starts with a change in here. And when a change happens here, the change happens out there. And we cannot contain the Holy Spirit of God because he's too big, he's too great, he's too mighty. Jesus' grace satisfies. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for your amazing grace. Thank you for satisfying the ways us in ways that we can never satisfy ourselves, for being bigger than our hurts, bigger than our sins, bigger than our problems. I pray that we be bold and courageous for you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.